Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. Email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetective. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, and I want to thank Simon for supporting the show that way. You can also send a donation with the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And thank you to Randy for supporting the show that way. You can also mail in a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho 83715. And you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to Patreon. GreatDetectives.net. Now we're going to get into today's episode of Casey Crime Photographer, and this was actually the first time the series was known as Casey Press Photographer. The original air date is February 26, 1944, and the title is The Clue in the Clouds. Face the camera, please. Hold it. Thanks. Look for it in the Morning Express. Casey, press photographer. Columbia brings you another adventure of Casey, press photographer. Tonight and every Saturday at this time, Columbia invites you to follow Casey on his exciting assignment to meet the strangely assorted people who pass in swift-moving parade before the shutters of his camera. Tonight, the clue in the cloud. In the quiet evening air, there suddenly comes a whirring of wings. It's a helicopter, apparently out of control. Like a giant bird, it flaps crazily about for a few minutes and then heads out to sea. What is it? It looks like a bird. It's a helicopter. It's a wild plane. It's out of control. It may fall. Better clear the seat. That is us, Burke speaking. Hey, Burke. Who is this, Casey? Yes, it's Casey. Listen. There's an airplane loose over the city, a what? helicopter. Yeah, uh, it's, it's out of control. Something has happened to the pilot. It's headed out to sea. The Coast Guard is trying to get the plane in the air to follow it now. Oh, yeah? Where are you? Well, I'm at the Blue Note. I thought so. Now, listen, Casey. Go home and sleep it off. I'll see you in the morning. Now, listen. Are you inferring yes. that... You ought to know better than to phone me in that condition. Now, go home and go to bed. Oh, stop it, Burke. I'm as sober as you are. I tell you, this is a story. Okay, okay. So it's a story. What do you want me to do? Stay up all night waiting for you to get it? Oh, that's... Well, Chief, I knew I could count on you. We're going down to the Coast Guard headquarters now and get all the dope we can. Maybe some pictures. Who's with you? Ann Williams. All right, you crazy loon. But this had better be good. If that helicopter turns out to be a Halloween witch on a broom, you shot your last picture for me. You get that? Get it? I know it by heart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Helicopter. telling you, Burke, it, it fell into the sea like a millstone and disappeared. Well, Casey, if 4,000 other people hadn't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. Whose plane was it? Well, the police say it was John Hampton. He had the only helicopter around here. Oh, yeah, I remember. 
flew it in from his estate to the top of his office building every day. Our pioneer air commuter. And he's missing, huh? Yep, he and Mrs. Hampton both. Well, take that stuff you've got to a rewrite man. Have one of the boys fix up an obituary. We've lost one of our leading citizens in a plane accident. And that's that. Now, listen, Burke. Casey doesn't think it was an accident. Oh, for Pete's sake. And why not? Burke, I think that dive into the ocean was planned. There's something phony about this story, and I want to track it down. All right, all right. What do you want to do, go chasing geese again? You better let him, Burke. Someday, Casey, you'll go out and cover a story that I want covered. Now, go on. Get out of here. Thanks, Burke. Burke, I'll tell you, I'll make a bet with you. If I'm right about this, the drinks are on you. And right now, I'm going over to John Hampton's offices to see what I can find out. Oh, uh, you better take Williams with you. She'll just sit around and soak till you get back. Oh, gee, both thanks. Okay, Burke, we're on our way. You're, uh, Miss Gray, aren't you? Miss Matilda Gray? Yes, I'm... I was Mr. Hampton's secretary. Yes, what we want is material for a little story on Mr. Hampton. You think you can help us? He was a wonderful man. Everybody admired and respected Mr. Hampton. I don't know what else I can say. He owned this building, didn't he? Yes, the Hampton Importing Company occupies the top three floors. He liked the idea of having his office here in the penthouse. Mm hmm. Is that the landing platform for his helicopter out there? Yes, that's it. You mind if I get a picture of it? Not at all. Uh, can you take it through the window? Now, let's see. Yes, I think so. There. Well, thank you. Now, could we have one of you, Mr. Of me? Yes. I... Well, I don't know. I, I don't look very... Don't... Oh, you look swell. Look this picture. But that's Mr. Hampton's picture. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, sure. Oh, no, I can't. Paper, this is just for the record, you know. Oh, I don't... You want a huge picture of your cabars, wouldn't you? Yes, yes. I guess so. Okay. Hold it. Thanks. Well, that's one you won't have to look for in the Express. Now, Miss Gray, what other interests did Mr. Hampton have? Business interests? Anything at all. Well, he had a little commercial movie studio, the Aristocrat Film Company. But that's been closed up for six months. Oh? Where's that? At 292 Former Street. They made shorts, commercial reels, and trailers. But it was only sort of hobby with Mr. Hampton. Never made any money. Well, what do you know of Mr. Hampton's family and Mrs. Hampton? She was alone when she married John. Mrs. Mr. Hampton. She had no living relative. And he just had an uncle. A Robert K. Hampton. Oh, an uncle, eh? Where's he? Well, he lived somewhere on an island in the Celebes Sea. Now held by the Japanese, I understand. He was a sort of black sheep. Mr. Hampton hadn't heard from him for many years. Assumed he was dead or a prisoner until... Until? Well, maybe I shouldn't tell you this. But shortly before his death, a letter came from Australia. I didn't open it, but when Mr. Hampton read it, he seemed terribly upset. Then he told me it was from his uncle. Uh, do you have that letter now? No, I... Why, well, it seems to have disappeared. Uh, and this was just before his death? Yes, he, he may have had it in his pocket. Miss Gray, this uncle, was he by any chance mentioned in Mr. Hampton's will? He gets everything. All his money, the business, this building, everything. Oh, Mr. Casey, this is all such a terrible nightmare. I can't believe that he's gone. 
I don't know where to turn. Oh, Miss Gray, it's all right. You mustn't break down. <laughs> you need to rest a bit. Part of your nose. You'll feel better. I'm... I'm all right. I'm sorry. You just excuse me for a moment. I'll be right back. Well, certainly, Miss Gray. I'm sorry we upset you. Thank you. I'll be all right. Casey, you know something? Huh? What? A clue. She was in love with her boss. You think so? Mm-hmm. Why? Never mind. Just take a woman's word for it. What's the matter, young woman? Oh, nothing. That is, you gave me a start. Why should I frighten you? Oh, you... Oh, you look like... And Mr. if I may ask, who are you? What are you doing here? I'm just a reporter. And who is this young lady? I'm a reporter, too. What are reporters doing here? If you'll pardon me, sir, who are you? My name is Robert K. Hampton. I'm John Hampton's uncle. So you think this uncle had something to do with Hampton's death, huh? Well, look, a guy names a black sheep uncle as beneficiary in his will and suddenly gets uh, a letter from him. From all reports, he's very upset by it. And the next day packs himself and his wife off in a plane for a double suicide. Lieutenant Logan pronounced it an accident. Yeah, well, it doesn't add up to me. This uncle ties in somehow. Come on, Ann, I gotta think. Let's get out in the air. The nice smoke-laden air of the blue note, I have no doubt. Hi, Ethelbert. Hiya, Casey. Hiya, Miss Williams. Hello, Ethelbert. What do you have? Uh, one beer. Same as usual for me. Okay, beer and the usual coming up. Mm. Hey, what are you reading, Ethelbert? A book on victory gardening, I guess. My sister Edna gave it to me. Oh, your sister Edna likes to read. Yeah, she does. She don't drink much. <laughs> What's the name of the book? Uh, five Little Peppers and How They Grew. Oh, Listen, why, why don't you read something interesting? Like that death plane story of yours in the Express? Well, uh-huh. something. I'm following that, too. Good. Here's your beers. Well, what's your opinion, hmm? Well, I think it was a sort of chameleon of errors. I think this guy was planning to run away with some dame. Oh? He gets the plane all heated up for it. When a heavily veiled figure sneaks into the cockpit beside him and gives him the nod to get going. Uh-huh. Then he finds out that it's his wife and not his lady friend under the heavy drapes and that she's crossed him up. And by that time, he's so disgusted he dumps the whole thing in the drink. On what do you base these deductions, Ethelbert? Yes, mastermind. Tell us. Quote, he who tries to fool his wife ends up playing the fool himself. Unquote. You better stick to your books, Ethelbert, and leave the amateur detecting the case. Yeah, and you know, Ethelbert, I wouldn't waste my time on five little peppers either. It's way over your head. Well, I... Uh-huh. Well, uh, to tell the truth, I'm having a tough time wading through it. You got any ideas? Well, there's Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire... They got that in a book already? Sure. Well, it just declined and fell last September. <laughs> hey, look, Annie, you tell him. I'm going over and talk to Ernie. Hiya, Casey. Hi, Ernie. Ooh, you look worried, Ann. Yeah? 
Bernie, you got an old tune handy? Something to, something for me to think by? Sure, sure.
You see, everything worked out pretty well. Yes, thanks to John Hampton, who spent his whole life... Miss Drake, you were saying... I... I'm sorry, Mr. Hampton. Uh, uh, do you mind if I take some pictures, Mr. Hampton? My paper wants to run a feature on you and your nephew. You know, your your vastly different lives and activities. You know, the, the Hampton who traveled the earth and the Hampton who stayed at home. That's rather a good idea, Mr. Casey. Uh, where would you like me? Beside uh, <clears throat> this picture of John? No, Miss no. Miss Gray. Sorry. Yes, yes, I would if you don't mind. Let's let's try behind the desk there. All right. <clears throat> How's this? Uh, you'll pardon me, Mr. Hampton, but your your hair's a little must. You know, with such striking gray hair as you have, you, you ought to have it looking its best. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll... Uh... Uh, no, 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 don't move. Miss Williams will arrange it. Oh, all right. Uh, have you got a comb, man? Uh-huh. There's one right here in my bag. Now, just a second. There you are. Thank you. Fine, that's it. Now, Mr. Hampton, hold it. Want another? I'm sure that one picture should be enough. Miss Gray, if you please. Well, we'll take one more. Just one more for good luck. Now, hold that just as you are, right there. Thank you. Oh, but I'm afraid I'm in that one, too. Your camera was pointed right at me. Well, we'll see when they're developed. Uh, thank you both very much. Thank you. You know, Mr. Casey, uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, somewhat of a camera fan myself. Now that's so? Yes, taking pictures all my life. I have some beautiful shots of Chirang Island. I was wondering if, uh, if perhaps you couldn't print them along with the feature on my nephew and me. Not that I would want to monopolize the story, of course, no. But uh, I only thought it... Uh, well, it might set off the differences in us mm. uh, more dramatically, you know, give it a little added color. Yeah, sure. Sure, that might be an angle. Let's see the pictures. Mm, yes, well, I have a few small ones in my wallet here. Uh-huh. The Japs got most of my stuff, of course. Oh, yes, I can imagine. Let me see now. Yes, here's a nice shot. Mount Tonamau. Oh. Hey, look at this, Anne. Mmm, beautiful. And this is a view of my uh, backyard, so to speak. Uh, looking north. Is that you and Hammett? Yes, that's me. I used the self-timer. Set it and then ran and got into the picture. Used a flexo camera with F35 lens at one twentieth of a second. Oh, it's not bad. What's this one? <laughs> that's me again. Same trick. Uh, that was taken from the front porch. Looking south? Yes. Mm, that's lovely country. Looks almost like a stage setting. I think perhaps we're boring these people, Mr. Hampton. Yes, uh, I'm afraid we are. No, no, really, not at all. I'd like to use these pictures. They're exceptional shots. Mm -hmm. And pictures always dress up a feature. Well, all right. But you will be careful to return them to me, won't you? They're the only prints I have, and I treasure them beyond words. Don't worry. I'll treat them with kid gloves. Thank you, Mr. Casey. Well, that's all right. Now, I think we'd better be pushing off. Time and deadlines wait for no man. And no woman either. We're happy to meet you, Mr. Hampton, and we hope that you like it here. I think I shall. Uh, take good care of the picture. Right. Look for him in the morning express. Bye, and thank you. Goodbye. I don't like that young man. He's too clever. Now, darling, take it easy. After all, he's only a newspaper photographer. Are you sure this article on you is a good idea? Of course. We'll need it. Why do you think I went to all that work to get those pictures? The public must be convinced, too. Now, don't worry, my dear. There'll be no slip-up. There better hadn't be. Not after 11 years of planning and waiting. Now that those people have the pictures, I must set fire to the evidence. You mean burn the negative? 
There are little fires and big fires. Oh, you mean... Yes. Tomorrow night, a nice big fire. Let's see that negative there. Oh, here you are. Yes, sir. That I call a nice layout. Yeah. Pictures look pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. My article's all right, too. Mm-hmm. You know, someday I must teach you how to read. Mm, yeah, someday. The these of Churang Island came out really bright and clear, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Hey, Ann, look at this. What? You notice anything strange about those two shots taken in Hampton's front and backyards? No. Well, I do. Look. Look at this bank of clouds here. Uh-huh. It looks sort of like a face, doesn't it? Oh, sure. It looks like my Aunt Sophie. Now, quit clowning. Look at it close. I'm looking... Well, now, that's supposed to be a view looking north. That's right. Well, here's exactly the same formation in the view looking south. Well, that's queer. Queer? It's a physical impossibility. There haven't been two cloud formations exactly alike since the first day of creation. Well, then these scenes were fake. Yeah, they were beautifully fake. You know, I thought Hampton froze a little when you made that crack. What crack? About those pictures looking almost like a stage setting. No, Annie. Hampton gave us these pictures for the paper for a reason. He wants everyone to see them. He wants everyone to think that he, that he has lived all these years miles away from here. And that he arrived here just in time to have a pot of gold fall into his lap. Oh, that's a little too neat, isn't it? Yeah, these pictures are all he's got to prove he wasn't here all the time. Well, if he was here, how do we know he didn't murder John Hampton? He had the motive, all right. The will gives him everything. Yeah, and right under John Hampton's feet. Who said something like that? Mm. Ernie. That's right, me and my shadow. Annie, I think I got it. Quick, let me look at your comb. Well, sure, Casey. Well, here, but what on earth is in there? Wait a minute. Here, look at this. A hair. A lone gray hair. I gotta take this down to Logan and have him run some tests on it. I'll see you back here in about an hour. The ones we didn't print. Yeah, thanks. I just wanted to check on them. Let's see. Yeah, here it is. Look, Burke. This one of Hampton with Miss Gray in the background. You see this? Yeah. And what a sugar-coated look she's got on her foot. Here, let me see. Uh, don't she look like a mother whose son has just been made president of his class or something? She in love with this guy? Of course not. You sure, Anne? Well, she just met him. Uh-huh. You swore she was in love with her boss. That's right. And a woman like that couldn't be in love with two men. Why not? Because she's the perfect one-man woman type. Uh-huh, that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> I got a theory on this case, and this just about puts a pin on it. Come on. Hey, where are we going? We got a little job of breaking and entering to do. We're going to crash the deserted studio of the Aristocrat Film Company. Uh, I think I just about got it. Isn't this a tiny little bit illegal? Well, I can fix that with Logan. He and I are just like that. Uh-huh. There we are. Come on, we got to work fast. Oh, spooky, isn't it? Where did I light a match? See any light switches around here? Wait a minute. Here's one. Ah, that's better. 
Now, so this is the aristocrat movie studio, huh? And a fine place to bring a young girl in the dead of night. Annie, you see those crates over there? Yeah. I'll bet you ten to one they're full of prop palms, grass mats, and tropical foliage. Let's see. All right. Mr. Casey, your intuition is appalling. I'm glad I didn't cover that bet. Uh-huh. Artificial flowers, trees, rocks, leaves, everything you need to build up a nice little South Sea Island setting right here. Uh-huh. You mean Hanson could have sneaked in here alone, arranged a beautiful little tropic setting, and taken pictures all over the place? Not only could have, he did, with a self-timer. And by changing the bushes and foliage around... He got the so-called view from his front porch and the one from his back porch. Well, where's the sky with the funny cloud formation? It's hanging right over your head. Look up. All those big hanging things? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. Those are backgrounds, you see, held up there by these ropes tied right here. Oh, which? Hey, look out. You want to kill us both? You pull that knot and all those heavy drops would crash down on our heads. Oh, sorry. I only thought you might want to get them down to see if you could bind the one with the cross. Yeah, but we'll have to snub the rope around this peg and let the drop down gradually. Those things are heavy. Put your uh, hands up, <gasps> Casey. Hampton. He's got a gun. And you too, Miss Williams. Oh, yes, sir. You seem surprised to see me, Mr. Casey. Why? Do you forget that I own this studio now? It's rather I who should be surprised. What are you doing here? We're looking for Churang Island. And you? I came to burn this place down. For a reason that you may have already surmised. Yeah. You didn't want anyone to find out where you made those phony pictures, did you? No, and I don't want you to tell them. And you won't if you and your charming lady friends should get trapped here and cremated. There's rather an ugly name for that. Murder. A murder is not a murder until it's proven so. But before I kill you, I want you to tell me something. Yes, I expected that. Most murderers are very cautious to know where they where they slipped up. All right, I'll tell you, Mr. John Hampton. Oh, you guessed that too. Of course. You're not Robert K. Hampton. There never was any Robert K. Hampton. You never fled from the Japs on Churang Island. You picked that place because it would be impossible to check your story. This whole thing was arranged between you and Miss Matilda Gray. You planned this for years and been in love with her for years. Go on. You drew your will to a fictitious uncle and probably faked up enough credentials so that you could appear to be that uncle. And then when the time came, all you had to do was drug your wife, put her in a helicopter. Yeah, it was just enough fuel to get over the ocean and set the controls and let her go. Don't you think the plan was clever? Fiendishly clever. And it was clever of you to spend ten years working out your disguise. Most criminals try to change their identity by putting on a disguise. You achieved a change by taking one off. One you'd worn for ten years. You shaved your mustache, bleached the dye out of your hair, and then came down here and took a few pictures of yourself in a tropical setting. Then, the very next day, you turned up as the long-lost uncle, inheriting all your own money, and in a position to marry Miss Matilda Gray. I fooled everyone but you, Mr. Casey. Tell me... Why did you suspect me? Well, being a photographer, maybe I looked too closely at your pictures. And you made the mistake of using the same sky in all of them. Oh. Clever of you to notice it. Well, you slipped up on one other little thing, too. So here, remember when I combed it for you, Mr. Hanson? Yes, under the police microscope, a strand of your hair still showed traces of brown dye. It's those little things, Mr. Hanson. Perhaps. And then, of course, you... You should never have let me get a picture of Matilda Gray off guard. 
For although she treated you badly and seemed to hate you, her love showed up in the face as plainly as though it were written there. Very interesting. And as Ann told me, a woman like Matilda Gray couldn't love two men. It turned out she didn't. Both men were you. Quite right. Now, before you have a chance to turn this story over to the police, I'm afraid I shall have to shoot you both. I, uh, wonder if you'd mind shooting me first. The sight of blood, you know. You can't afford to joke, Miss Williams. Oh, no. I, I don't want to be too near. May I stand over there by those ropes? Wherever you wish. Thank you. Good girl, Annie. Good girl, boy. That dude is okay. Uh, I got his gun. Wow, that drops your beating. Is he breathing? Yeah. But he won't know it for an hour or so. Gee, kid, nice going. Well, darling, you told me not to pull that knot. And... Annie, Annie, this was an inspiration. I could just about kiss you. Oh, so I've got to save your life to deserve one stingy little kiss. Well, boys and girls, day of days. The drinks are on first. Now, now, now. Wait a minute, Casey. My bet was with you. You can't do this to me. Can I, though? Hi, Ethelbert. Hi, Casey. Miss Williams. Well, Mr. Burke, this is a surprise. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, well, I... Uh... <laughs> Burke's buying the drinks, Ethelbert. Wow. My little bay. Hello, Ethelbert. Oh, hello, Grace. Uh, what'll it be, Miss Williams? Oh, uh, double martini. A double? Two olives. Oh. And the usual for me. A double. Now, now wait a minute, Casey. And a, <clears throat> a double scotch for Ernie at the piano, too. Hey, go easy, Casey. <laughs> one for his shadow. Yeah. And one for you, Ethelbert, and a double for Grace. Hey, Casey. And see what the boys in the back room will have, too. And what would you like, Mr. Burke? Oh, please, Ethelbert. How much is sarsaparilla? Well, as Carrie Nation once said, quote, he who partakes only of nature's liquor has the pleasure of remaining sober and paying the check, unquote. Press Photographer, played by Stotts Cotsworth, a new series of adventure programs based on the fictional character created by George Harmon Cox. Casey Press Photographer is directed by Albert Ward and produced for Columbia by John Deep. Tonight's story was written by Charles Holden. Join us again next week at the same time for another swift-moving story of Casey Press Photographer. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. I've never heard a helicopter referred to as an airplane. Generally, I think they're viewed as two separate things, even though they both fly. I don't know if it's just me, but I'd feel weird using a stranger's comb. I think that may just be me, though. The solution? 
that was something else. I mean, this was 11 years in the making. Which makes me wonder, was this a plan B and plan A was just kind of waiting to see if she got hit by a bus? Because it seems like someone with the resources to have a movie studio just for the heck of it might be able to come up with a little bit more efficient way of committing a murder. That plus this whole thing did hinge on uh, the uncle being resident of an island occupied by the Japanese. And at this point, America had only been at war with Japan for two and a half years. So in some ways, this is a clever solution that uses, you know, fair play. It gave you a lot of the clues up front. But when you start to think about the solution, it uh, doesn't make sense that this is something that a person would actually do. In addition to this, uh, Dr. Joe Webb at uh, Blue Note Bulletin, in part because of the sophistication of the disguise and the photographs that are supposed to, you know, really fool people, and you're dealing with 1940s technology, so it's not very plausible for that reason. Uh, Dr. Webb also called out the line, Look for it in the Morning Express. And he writes, I think uh, the writers were trying to get that into the public's vocabulary. It must not have worked because it's not common later. And uh, he does have a point about this being something that the writers uh, apparently had Casey say a lot, but in episodes that are not in circulation, which did call to mind something that I heard a few years back, and it involved Casey Crime Photographer and a bunch of other detectives. And this comes from CBS's fall preview show from 1946. I'm at an age where I can remember fall TV preview shows. I think one or two I, I saw uh last time was sometime before I was 10. But this was something that uh, the radio stations did to promote its programs and would later be done by television uh, stations as well. CBS's special was called Stars in the Afternoon. And there were actually two specials. This was from the first one, which featured a bunch of CBS programs and performers, and they did a segment to promote their mystery programs, including Casey Crime Photographer. Now, for context, I will mention that the program was hosted by Frank Sinatra. At the start of the clip, Arthur Q. Bryan, best known for the voice of Elmer Fudd, appears as a network executive using the Elmer Fudd voice, but that's not the character he's playing. This is already an, as ambitious a crossover as uh, you'll find in... Uh, Golden Age Radio without going quite that far. I'm going to play this clip. It's about nine minutes long from September the 26th of 1946 from Stars in the Afternoon. Let's take a listen. Yeah. And here's a mystery so tremendous, terrific, and baffling that we're calling in all our star detectives to solve it. Listen. Calling all stars. Calling all stars. Crime doctor. The host of Inner Sanctum, Sam Spade, Casey, crime photographer, the thin man, wake up and go at once to the home of Edward Dismukes Mayhoff, wealthy sportsman whose life has been threatened. Hurry on over. If you don't hurry, it'll be all over. 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 <laughs> 
Yes, yes, who is it? Dr. Ordway, the crime doctor. Let me in. Oh, Dr. Ordway, I'm glad you're here. Read this, this note I got. Note? Yes, yes, they're going to kill me. They're after me. Save me. Help me, Dr. Ordway. Please be calm, Mr. Mayor. Just a moment now, let me read it. Nothing you can do will save you. You will be killed tonight at midnight. Midnight. <laughs> and it's 23 minutes to 12 now. Don't let them save me. I'm too young to die. How old are you, Mr. Mayhart? 86. <laughs> 86 going on 87, I hope. Well, I hope so, too. <laughs> now, this should be very easy to solve. First, you must answer a few questions. Oh, anything, anything. But we must hurry. It's 19 minutes to 12. Ask me anything. Well, uh, first, who sent this note? Who said it? Yes, it's not signed. Very untidy way of doing business. Just a note that someone's going to kill you and nothing more. No signature, no date, no corpse. Come, come, Mr. Mayhoff. I must say you're not being very cooperative. Well, I'm sorry, Dr. Ordway. I, I know there should have been more clues, but uh, I only got the note a half an hour ago. And I didn't know what I was doing. My life was at stake. A flimsy excuse. Well, I, I didn't know which way to turn. I, I called every detective I could think of. Why aren't they here? Oh, there's somebody now. Seventeen minutes left. Yes, yes. Who is it? How do you do, Mr. Mayoff? I'm Nick Charles, a thin man. Oh, this is my wife, Nora. Nora, darling, this is Mr. Mayoff. Uh, uh, how do you do, Mr. Mayoff? Oh. Excuse me, I'm so sleepy. I beg your pardon, madam. This is Mr. Mayoff. I'm Dr. Ordway. Not the crime doctor, the say. Nora, darling, is Dr. Ordway, the crime doctor we listen to every Sunday night. Uh, do we? Yes, of course, baby. Dr. Ordway is the man who helps the police solve all those difficult crimes by brilliant deductions. Oh, yes. But isn't it strange, Nick? He's never been able to catch Johnny breaking into those thousands of store windows he's always coming out of. <laughs> oh, oh, so nice to see you, Doctor. Mind if I lie down? I'm so sleepy. Not at all. I hardly knew you with your eyes open. <laughs> Please, it's, it's 15 minutes to 12. My life is at stake. This, this note I got. Note? Yes, yes. The note threatening my life. Uh, Dr. Ordway has it. Here, Nick, have a look. What do you make of it? Nothing can help you. You die at midnight. Hmm, who sent this? Who sent it? I don't know. Don't know who sent it? No. No date, no signature. Come, come, Mr. Mayor. Exactly what I told him, Nick. If people must get threatening letters, the least they can do is supply us with some clue or other. Yes, you're so right, Dr. Ordway. Always making it as difficult as possible. You fourteen Reminds me of the case we had a year ago last sponsor. Or was it the sponsor before that? Nora, darling, what sponsor was that? Oh, please, Nick. Oh, yes, it was the sponsor of 1944. It was a late autumn night. The options were just beginning to fall. We had a client like this hapless man here. It's 13 minutes. Well, that's a unlucky. Note that he was going to be killed at 9 o'clock. Why is it 12 o'clock? Well, this is specific host time for the repeat broadcast. By the way, do you have a repeat broadcast, Dr. Ordway? Oh, yes. Yes, keeps me up frightfully late. I'm awfully sleepy, Nicky, darling. Oh, yes, baby. Well, anyway, when this man called me about the note, we took every precaution. We bolted the doors, barricaded the windows. We had police on every foot of ground around the apartment. Police doors, electric eyes, burglar alarms. Every precaution known to criminology was taken to see that this man would not be killed at 9 o'clock. Yes, Mr. Charles. What happened to the man? He was killed. <laughs> but not until 10 o'clock. We had all gone home. We were dead tired. He was dead and we were tired. Uh, Nick, darling, please. 12 minutes to 12. Won't somebody do something? Mr. Mayoff, I'm Casey, crime photographer. Oh, hold it. Thank you. Look for it in the morning express. Uh, please, Mr. Casey, will you please do something? I got this note. They're going to kill me at midnight. Midnight? Yeah. Can't wait till midnight. We go to press at once. Play dead. I'll take one more. 
But I don't want to lie down on the floor. Well, take this couch. Oh, oh. oh hello, beautiful. I'll take one of you, too. Excuse me, Flash. I'm Nick Charles, a thin man. This is my wife, Nora. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Charles. I, I listen to you every Friday night. I should have known that was you lying there, Mrs. Charles. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Ordway, the crime doctor. Well, glad to know you, Doctor. I listen to you on Sunday nights. Thank you. Well, won't anybody say they listen to me on Thursday nights? Won't anybody listen to me tonight? <laughs> I'm going to be killed at midnight. Eleven more minutes. Well, it's quite a gathering of the crime crowd. The crime crowd. The crime crowd. Quite a gathering. All we need now is Sam Spade. My name is Sam Spade. Where's the body? Oh, Mr. Spade. I'm so glad you came. But there's no body here. Nobody here? No. What are these people doing here? Now, oh, Mr. Spade, my name is Dr. Rodway. This is Nick Charles and his wife, Nora. This is Casey, the crime photographer. We've all been called in on the case. Get going, you guys. I work alone. But, Mr. Spade, in nine minutes, I'm going to be killed. Nine minutes? Okay, I'll be back. Have a check ready. Well, I'll give you anything, Mr. Spade. I'll, I'll give you any, anything, anything. Only save me. Here, here, read this note. Read it. No notes. I want cash. What? People have... I'm going to be killed at 12 o'clock. Well, let's get it over with. I got my own broadcast to make tonight. Hold it. Thank you, Mr. Spade. Look for it in the Morning Express. Reminds me of a case we had sponsored before last. Remember, Nora? Nicky, it's late. I'm getting sleepier by the minute. Yes, Nicky, it's three minutes to 12. I'm sleepy. I mean, do something for me. Do something to save me. Yes? Who is he? Come in. Good evening, friends. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's the host from Inner Sanctum. What? No blood? They're just... They're just in time. Just in time for murder, I hope. Uh, don't rush me. I've still got two minutes. And what's the Inner Sanctum host doing here? He's no detective. He doesn't even know enough to oil the hinges on his door. Oh, it's Mr. Charles, the Sinatra of the Sleuth. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Host? Dracula of the detectives, Karloff of the killer cycle, vampire of the vacuum tubes, Bluebeard of the batteries, and tomboy of television to come? Flatterer. <laughs> How's business down at your creek joint these Monday nights, Mr. Host? Oh, gory bee, we're killing them. <laughs> Love to have you down some Monday night. Uh -huh. Would you like me for dinner? Uh-huh. On toast. <laughs> please, 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 fellas. It's just a few more seconds. Can't any of you do anything? Save me! <laughs> they got me! They... Oh, 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 oh. Hold it. Don't fall. Thank you. Look for it in the Morning Express. <laughs> Don't fall now. Oh, oh, oh. oh blood. Goody. Murder. Well, they won't need me here anymore. Anything you say may be held against you. Uh, just a minute, Dr. Ordway. How do we know he's dead? Get a doctor. Let's make sure the corpus is delecti. Somebody looking for a doctor? I'm Dr. Christian. Oh, come in, Dr. Christian. Here you every Wednesday night. How's Judy? She's fine, thank you. And how's Mrs. Charles? Sleeping any better? Oh, she's doing fine, thanks. That's good. <clears throat> That'll be five dollars. Five dollars? Well, that's Did you say my... dollars? Yeah, that's my regular fee for calling on the sick. What's your regular fee for calling on the dead? I'm sorry, I don't understand. We think your patient is dead. So fast? Uh, I just got here. We think he was dead before we called you. 
My fee is still five dollars. Well, there's a chance he may not be dead. And if I find he's not? He'll pay you the five dollars. There he is. Very well. No pulse. No heartbeat. No blood. He's dead, isn't he, Doc? Not necessarily. What do you mean? If a man has no pulse, no heartbeat, no blood, he's dead. That has been disproven. Who disproved it? Frank Sinatra. Welcome back. Well, we got to hear uh, Casey's uh, catchphrase, and we'll have to see how many episodes it's going to take us to hear him use that as often as he did in that nine-minute sketch. Now, there are a lot of in-jokes there, and I don't even get all of them. There are very few episodes of Crime Doctor out there. However, uh, the reference to Johnny by Mrs. Charles was a reference uh, to Johnny, who was the mascot for Philip Morris. Johnny was a bellboy who would cry out, Call for Philip Morris. I'm doing a bad uh, impersonation. That was obviously before cigarette advertisements were banned. And the uh, comment by Dr. Christian at the end of the segment about Frank Sinatra, well, that was kind of the uh, big running gag in old-time radio, uh, during the 40s anyway, was just how thin and sickly Frank Sinatra was. And I have to admit, when I first started listening to old-time radio, I did not get that at all just because... My image of Frank Sinatra was, you know, from when he was older. I remember seeing him on TV, you know, like when I was a teenager. And he did not look thin at all as an elderly guy. He looked like healthy weight. But uh, essentially, during the 40s, every radio comedian and anyone who wrote comedy, if you wanted a cheap laugh, you just went after Frank Sinatra's thinness. Of course, Dr. Christian's not, uh, wasn't a detective, and neither was the Inner Sanctum uh, host. But I guess the, the people putting it together were like, okay, we've got to mention these shows somehow and get them in. It does say that CBS went to some uh, trouble on this because they had both West Coast and East Coast uh, radio stars there. So I wonder whether they flew anyone out or if that was done by remote somehow. At any rate, I hope you enjoyed that. Now, one other comment. Uh, this is the last episode where we'll hear Joan Allison as Ann Williams. And she had actually stayed on the role through the entirety of when the show was Flash Gun Casey and outlasted the first two Caseys. I could not find a whole lot about her career. The biggest thing about her was that she had started uh, on Guiding Light uh, over radio in 1949, and then continued in the same role over television until 1952. Her entire career seems to have essentially ended in the mid-1950s. What the reason uh, was for that, I don't know. But she had a fair number of roles and appeared in uh, a couple of different soap operas. But again, very limited information. But she would be replaced by uh, Betty Furness, who would in turn be replaced by Alice Reinhardt. And we don't actually have any episodes with either one of them in the Ann Williams role. All right, well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. 
Thank you to Shauna. Shauna's been one of our Patreon supporters since June 2019, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Shauna. And uh, that will actually be all for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Fat Man. And uh, next Monday, another episode of Casey Crime Photographer. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.